Hey, everybody, welcome back to the College Age Movement podcast. This week, we are in week two, part two of our series, Greater Than. And Greater Than is a series based out of the book of Hebrews. We're looking at some key verses throughout the book of Hebrews that talk about something that I think a lot of us miss. And the whole series is about this, simplifying the gospel, that we would simplify our relationship with Jesus, that after so much time, we have put so many rules and regulations on our faith, and we just need to get back to the basics, and that is to just follow Jesus. And the author wrote this book about 70 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, and even then, the church needed to get back to the basics, back to Jesus. So we're going to jump in, and we're going to spend our whole time in Hebrews chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 12, which is a verse that many of us have probably heard before. And it says this is for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, this verse is often used to just generically speak about scripture, but I think it's really important that we dive in a touch deeper with why it was said and what meaning it holds. It actually comes on the back end of an exhortation from the church to take a Sabbath day of rest. This verse puts extra emphasis on the fact that what God has asked of the people was important that they should listen and we should listen to. So on the back end of this exhortation, this this call to take a Sabbath, the Jewish people had so often failed to do so. And so the author was doubling down saying, hey, you need to take this seriously. And I think it's really important that us today, 2,000 years later, we understand that when God asks something of us, we need to take it very seriously. And when God asks us to do something, we should do it. When we read scripture, when we feel like God is speaking to us in our daily lives, we need to listen. Why? Because God's word and God's words, his current speakings into our life, his, the communication that he is speaking to us right now are important. Also, the word of God, scripture, and the words of God, the way that he communicates with us on a daily basis are this, and this is our first point, they are alive and active. And it can be so hard for us to remember that because one, scripture isn't just an old book we read. And so often we, we treat it that way, that it's this book that was written thousands of years ago and it was like great for the people then, but I don't know if it applies today. And it absolutely applies today. They are alive and active. active. Scripture is still applicable. That as we read scripture and we learn lessons, it's still something that is alive and active and it is applicable in our everyday lives. And that should be incredible to us. It's a God-breathed collection of history, of poems, of letters, promises. While the human authors might not have known that it would be applicable thousands of years later, God did. God absolutely knew that when Paul wrote the letter to the church in Corinth, that it would still play a significant part in how we follow Jesus today. So we should be in awe of the fact that something written so long ago still applies to us today. Secondly, we don't serve a dead man. The word of God is alive and active because Jesus himself is alive and active. And too often we look at the story of Christ and we look at what Jesus did for us. We're like, wow, that was amazing what he did instead of actually focusing on what Jesus is currently doing. That we would be people who are always aware of the fact that God is alive and active and he's moving in our everyday lives. He's moving in our relationships, that in our vocations and in our schools and all the things that we're doing, God is alive and active and he is moving. He's breathing on every single part of our lives. And, And that's something that we should also take appreciation in that we would understand that we don't serve a dead God. It wasn't about a man hung on a tree and buried in a grave. It was about a God who made himself man, sacrificed his entire life, lived a blameless, perfect life for us so that he could be the ultimate sacrifice. And we, we don't stop there. We also focus on the fact that he rose from the dead, that he ascended into heaven, that he is still alive and moving in our lives today. He is speaking to us if we would only listen. 
and we need to understand that we have direct access to him and that we aren't dependent on something that was only spoken thousands of years ago, but on what he's speaking to us right now. So while scripture is vastly important, it is something that we, we base so much of our beliefs on. We also need to understand that God is speaking to us, that God wants to speak to you today, that it's not just about reading scripture word for word and taking it right at face value, but it's actually about diving in and learning from God and letting him teach you on a daily basis. We all need to be doing that. The second point is this, sharper than any double-edged sword, sharper than any double-edged sword. And we all know that words can be super sharp. Uh, I had a recent uh, occurrence this last summer we are a junior high camp, and there's this seventh grade girl who I love so much. She is, she's so entertaining. She's so fun to be around. She is the sassiest girl I think I've ever met in my entire life. And uh, the one of the nurses had her her boys up there, and and man, they're boys, and they're playing in the creek. And these these junior high girls go up and they kind of playfully splash at these these young kids. And one of the kids just takes a cup full of water and just dumps it on this girl. I mean, just like right in her face, just pours the whole thing. And this other girl is standing there and she looks at me, this this girl that I truly adore and I'm sort of terrified of. And she said, Evan, is this your son? And I said, oh no, it's not my son. She goes, hmm, well, he sure acts like you. And I, it was one of those things where I was just like, ouch, like that, it, it really cut deep. Like she was, she was insulting me that she was, she was saying like, Hey, he just dumped water on a girl. That's something that you would do, you punk. And we all have these instances in our lives where people say things to us and they are, they are painful. But I think that it's really important for us to understand that the words of, of human beings, while, while sometimes painful and sometimes they bring us joy, it's only temporary. And the word of God is eternal and the words of God are eternal so that he is, he is speaking into our lives that we would understand that they are sharper than any double-edged sword, that we, we have to understand that it's not superficial, it's supernatural. That when God speaks, it is absolutely supernatural. And it's important for us to know this because it takes the word of God beyond a feel-good story in a book or, or a compliment that brightens our day or whatever it may be. It, it doesn't lay on the surface, but it, like, as scripture said, it penetrates dividing soul and spirit down to the joints and the marrow of our lives. And the reason the author puts these descriptive words is that we would understand that the word of God, if we would allow it to, would absolutely seep into the, the core of our being that it would be something that we cannot ignore, that it would be something that we would base our entire lives on, lives on, and that we would be people who just constantly look to the word of God to direct us, not the word of man. The author goes on to say this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So the next point is this, is that nothing is hidden from God's sight. Nothing is hidden from God's sight. And that can come off as scary or unsettling, but my hope is it would actually come off as encouraging. He loves us anyway. And that's really important that, that nothing can be hidden from God's sight. And yet he loves us anyway. Nothing that you have done, nothing that I have done, nothing that we are doing or will do would change the fact that God loves us, that he desires to be in relationship with us, that he will have grace and mercy and forgiveness for us. And that is one of the most incredible things that we get to lean into every single day of our lives if we have a relationship with Jesus. The hard part of this verse comes at the end. It says, everything laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account, which means that we have to face the music. There are a lot of things in my life that I have done that I am not super pumped about, and I'm not super pumped about talking to Jesus about them either. But here's the thing. I know 
that conversation is going to have to happen when I get to stand face to face with my creator. And because of that, I think that maybe I should start having those hard conversations now, that I should start talking to him about those things now. It's this premise of not putting off to tomorrow what you can accomplish today. And, and what we can accomplish today is having those repentive conversations with Jesus. That This idea of repenting isn't just like, hey, I'm sorry. It's about actually changing our lives. That we'd be people who say, Lord, I'm so sorry for doing what I did. Now I'm going to go in a 180 degree way. I'm, I'm going to completely turn around. I'm going to head in the opposite direction. I'm actually going to take steps in the opposite direction. I'm not just going to say sorry and, sorry and stay planted where I'm at. I'm going to I'm going to say I'm sorry. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to uh, confess the things that I've done with my life. And then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk the opposite direction. That is something that we need to do, to be people who are repentive and who are, who are starting to have those conversations now. And what I love about that is it also gives us an incredible model about how we should treat our earthly relationships. That, that relationship that we have with Jesus, where we are constantly bringing things before Jesus and having conversations with Jesus about what's going on in our lives would be a model of how we treat the people in our lives. That if we have offended someone, we would take that offense and we'd say, hey, I'm sorry for doing that. If people offend us, this is the Matthew 18 principle, where we would take not only the the offenses that we have to other people, but we would expect them to take the offenses to us and we would have a conversation that we would work it out and that we wouldn't let it get to this ending point where those relationships will eventually not exist anymore because there have been so many things that have happened that we that's irreparable. Now, that can't happen in our relationship with Jesus. There's nothing that can break the relationship that we have with Jesus because he is perfect and relationships are a two-way street. And if you always have a perfect God in the midst of that relationship, you can always go to that person. You will never lose that relationship if you would just step into it on a regular basis. If you just step into it, even after years of being gone, this is what I love is that there are story after story after story of people who have left the faith for decades and yet they step back into a relationship with Jesus. They, they rediscover who Jesus is or they come back home and Jesus is just right there. There's no, it's like riding a bike. There's, you, it's, there's no relearning necessarily that Jesus doesn't have to get to know you anymore or again, he already knows you to the depths of your being. And that is so important that we start having hard conversations with Jesus today and that we would have hard conversations with the people in our lives too so that we would make sure that, that we're good with the people in our lives and that we're good in our vertical relationship with Jesus too. While he's never looking down in judgment, he's always looking for us to have those conversations. The author then jumps into another idea that has followers of Jesus we often miss, and it's in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 15. And it says this, is, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we pro profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So the next point is this, Jesus is our high priest. This was an incredibly important statement made to the Jewish Christians at the time, but it still holds unmeasurable value for us today. You see, for the Jewish people, the ironic, ironic high priest would leave the sight of the people and go into the Holy of Holies. He would take the sins of the pe people before God and he would petition on their behalf. This started with Moses' brother Aaron, that he was the first high priest. And there's this lineage of high priests that came from his family. And, and they were the petitioner. They were the person that would, that would talk on our behalf to God in the Holy of Holies at very designated times. You see, Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven represented something miraculous. He was becoming our high priest. He was now petitioning on our behalf, and he continues to do that. He petitioned on our behalf on the cross, and he continues to petition on our behalf every single day. 
And that's really, really important that we understand that. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 15, uh, Matthew chapter 27, verses 50 through 51, it says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. This is as he is being crucified. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split. This represented a huge shift in how we would now approach God. No longer was it a, the job of a human priest to d- enter into a conversation with God on our behalf. Now we had direct access every day, anytime, any place. And I think one of the reasons that it's really important It's because so often we strive for human approval inside and outside of the religious pursuit instead of approaching God. The the Jewish people had this this cultural idea that they had to approach the high priest for him to then take and petition on, on our behalf to God. And so often we are looking for human approval, even now, especially in religious circles. As I have conversations with people, it's really, really interesting to me and also honestly kind of frustrating to me that as I am getting to know people, we have these incredible conversations and then they find out that I'm a pastor And all of a sudden, the dynamic shifts a little bit. And instead of them being honest and real and vulnerable, then all of a sudden they're trying to put on this facade of, well, here's the things that I've done really good in my life. And here's here's the things that that, uh, I've accomplished and and so on and so forth. Like, I'm going to go and say, hey, Lord, um, as a pastor, I'm going to petition on behalf that you would bless this person because of how much good they're doing. They convince me that they're worthy of your blessing. But that's not how it works. As a pastor, I'm just another human being. This is just my job, that I feel a called vocationally to be a full-time minister of the gospel, that I'm going to dedicate my life to this, but you're a minister of the gospel where you are too. You just work outside the four walls of a church. And so what's really important is that we would understand that we aren't looking for human approval. You don't have to find a pastor's approval. You don't have to do those things. Like, I'll pray for you. I'll, I'll teach you the things that I know, and I will I will mentor, and I will do whatever I can as a pastor. I, I'm super excited to do that. But you need to understand that you have just as much influence, just as much access to Jesus as I do. That, that my position does not grant me anything special with Jesus, that you have an incredible, unique, significant relationship with Jesus just like I do, and you don't need my approval. We don't need the approval of a high priest. It's not about getting to a certain place or a certain time or a certain person. It's about recognizing that God is always available. And then it goes on to say, hold firmly to your faith. But why? It, it follows up. Hold firmly to your faith. Why? Because we have a Savior who can empathize with our weaknesses. We have a high priest who can empathize with our weaknesses. He has been tempted in every single way. You see, our faith tends to waver when we feel like we're the only ones going through what we are currently going through. First of all, this is why it's so important that as a community of people, we rally around each other and we're vulnerable with each other. And we would understand that we're never the only one going through it. There's always somebody else going through it. There's always somebody who has gone through it that we can learn from each other. Secondly, Jesus was tempted in every single way. And it's important that we understand that he isn't looking down on our sexual temptations or our greed or our gossiping and saying, how are you this dense? Like, how could you be so dumb to commit that kind of sin? Instead, he's right there with you in the midst of your sin, understanding what you're going through But more importantly than understanding what you're going through, he also knows how to beat it because it says that he never sinned. So we need to be people who get around each other because our failures and our successes will be empowering to the people in our lives. That my failures can serve as a lesson to you, that my successes can learn can serve as a, a lesson to you and vice versa. And if we would be people who constantly get in community and get around people and we learn from each other, we're going to become better followers of Jesus. We're going to become better human beings because we aren't trying to do this solo. That we would be people who are doing it in tandem with one another. And then secondly, we need to get around the expert. He kind of knows what he's doing. That he's been tempted 
it in every single way. He came, and, and this is one of the most incredible things about the message of the gospel, that it wasn't just about a God sitting in the sky saying, hey, I'm going to be the Savior. No, it was a God who made himself man, made himself like us, experienced life like us so that he could empathize with us, that he could understand our weaknesses, that he could understand our temptations, and then he could give us an example of how to live a perfect life. That is what it is all about. The last couple words of verse 14, I think, are really important important for us to look at as we assess our walk with Jesus. The last couple of words say this, the faith that you profess. So it says, hold firmly to your faith that you profess. So two questions today. First, are you actually professing your faith? Are you actually professing your faith? That isn't a shot. It's an honest question. And it's a question that I have to ask myself on a regular basis. And I have to ask myself the question, would people even know that I'm a follower of Jesus if my vocation was unknown. If people didn't know that I was a pastor, would they know that I was a follower of Jesus? And that's something that if, if I can't answer with a confident, like, yes, people would absolutely know that I'm a follower of Jesus, then I'm in trouble. Because my, my job should not define my relationship with Jesus. While it's obviously a big part of, of what I do and my life and all of those things, that people should know that I'm a follower of Jesus because of the way I treat people, the way that I speak to people, the way that I serve people, all of those things. And the same can be said for you. Are you professing your faith? It's not about standing on a street corner and saying, hey, Jesus is the only way and and yelling through some kind of megaphone or something. It's about the fact that the lives that we live should be sermons spoken to the people around us, that we'd be professing our faith through the way that we live our life. And if we're not professing our faith, then we need to ask ourselves, why? Am I ashamed of my faith? What is holding me back from professing that I love Jesus, that I'm following Jesus, that I'm surrendered to Jesus? What is keeping you from professing your faith? Second, If you are professing your faith, what are you doing to hold on to that faith that you profess? And I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, am I investing or am I expecting? And this is what I mean by that. Am I investing in my relationship with Jesus and the people around me, people who are pursuing Jesus, who are equally yoked with me, who are all in the same pursuit of who Jesus has called us to be? Are we investing in those relationships and that relationship with Jesus? Or are we just expecting God to show up? Now, I'm not going to say that God won't show up outside of our outside of our investment, that there's a lot of things that God has done in my life that I have not come close to deserving, and that's pretty much everything. And, and it's important for us to always re- remember that, that it doesn't matter how much we are, are putting into our efforts, that Jesus can show up at any time in any place. But the call is still for us to, to be in this dialogue with Jesus, not a monologue. We talk about that a lot. It's a two-way street. The relationship is give and take, and we speak and we listen and we learn with Jesus. We don't just yell things into the void and expect him to do things or, or expect God to speak to us if we're not actually willing to slow down and listen. We need to be people who are investing, not just expecting. And then the last verse that we're going to look at this week is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, and it says this. It says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And the last point is simply this, throne of grace. And that word grace is key. This isn't about approaching an angry king. This is about approaching a God who is ready to listen and ready to bestow his grace and his forgiveness to us, that we would be willing to approach the throne of grace. And then there's this, this, these two words, with confidence, with confidence. Don't hesitate. He's ready for you. So I don't know where you're at this week, but I hope that, that 
through this conversation and, and through this scripture, you would understand that you can approach the throne of grace with confidence. That you would be confident that your God loves you, that you would be confident that your God is going to forgive you, that he's going to have mercy towards you, that he's going to give you direction and all of the things that you need if you would only be willing to approach it. Don't hesitate. Don't be nervous about approaching God. God's, God's not waiting to smite you. God's ready to forgive you. God's ready to accept you. God's ready to embrace you and show you a better way. Whether you've been following Jesus for a long time or you're on the fence or you've been following for a short time, wherever you find yourself in the spectrum of your walk with Jesus, it's always the same. He's always there. He's always present. He's always ready to have a conversation. And we should approach the throne of grace with absolute confidence. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the College Age Movement podcast. We will be back next week with part three. But if you are in Billings, we would absolutely love to see you in person. We don't want this podcast to keep you from community. So please come Tuesday night, seven o'clock at Faith Chapel. You don't want to miss it. There's something about being in family and being in community that just trumps everything. That it would be something that, that just brings us so much joy and so much life. We can worship, we can learn, and we can hang out together. So seven o'clock Tuesday nights here at Faith Chapel. If you don't live in Billings or can't make it on Tuesday nights, that's totally fine. Uh, We hope the podcast continues to to help you learn, help you grow. If you ever have any questions or anything like that, feel free to reach out to us on our social media platforms, or you can email me, Evan Cook, at Faith Chapel, uh, if you have any questions or want to get plugged in. So we love you guys. We hope to see you soon.